You know, God begins to talk to Job. Job said in the beginning, this is what I want to say to God. And now God begins to talk to him. This is a very interesting day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And as we study the Bible today, we consider that maybe God is talking to us as well. I think he is. We'll talk more about that as we focus on this today in Job chapter 38 in a little bit. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey. I'm going to be taking a look at incense and its use both in the culture and in the pages of the Bible. Ryan. Today I'm going to be jumping ahead to Job chapter 40 in an attempt to identify the monumental monster called in Hebrew behemoth. All right, that's a good one. And Janice. Another question for us. What is our position? All right, very good. Take your Bible out, turn to this chapter, and we'll study and hear what God is saying to us. Job 38, verses 12 through 21. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the springs of the sea? Or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place, that you may take it to its territory, that you may know the paths to its home? Do you know it because you were born then, or because the number of your days is great? Job chapter 38, verses 12 through 21. Job 37, 38, and 39. This is fascinating. What a great way to study today. Elihu, the arrogant one, is interrupted by God. The Lord answered Job from the storm from the swelling of disturbances. That's amazing. Now, he wasn't messing around. I mean, God was there to answer Job's question in his own way. God begins to speak to Job by asking him over 80 questions ranging in topic from beginning of time to the passage of time and about the ways of man. This must have been stunning, shocking, and revealing experience for Job, to say the least. God was answering his call. In this sequence, the Lord God answers all the questions people have about him. Now, as we pick up and read in the midst of his proclamations to Job, let's understand that God is speaking to us as well. We never need to feel that God is not answering our questions. He answers all of our questions with his wisdom. We would do well to remember that God does not need to answer our questions, yet he does because of his wonderful and amazing character. I, I tell you, this is one of the, my favorite parts of Job. I, this is incredible. 
And uh, as we study, God speaks. Uh, we're going to look at it. We're going to see it here. There's several places in the Bible where God speaks. The law is one place. This is another place. There are other places. But I want to tell you something. This is stunning and amazing. We're going to read it today. Take your Bible guide out. Turn to today's passage. And if you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us. We'll send you one or go to Bible Discovery TV where you can get one. Click on the page. It'll take you first to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. We trust the work of the Holy Spirit in you and God knows our needs. And uh, then what it'll do is take you to a page, a PDF file where you can download it as we put it together. You're seconds away. Father, I pray today as we look at how you speak, as we understand how you do this. We pray, Lord, today that we would get it. And I pray, Father, that we would truly pay attention to you. Help us, Lord, believer and unbeliever alike, to hear what you say and how you say it. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, this is absolutely fascinating. Here it is. Let me tell you, we're going to read from 38. We're going to go to verse 12, because last year we read from verses 1 through 11. Let's pick it up where God is speaking to Job, and here is what the Lord says. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Caused the dawn to know its place? That it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment. From the wicked, their light is withheld and upraised arm, the upraised arm is broken. No, this is something else. God speaks about the way he established everything we need to live. Okay? God controls all things, including the way to overcome our free will. Let me explain. Things happen that are not good. And it's not that God desires us to pay the price for that, but that's because we, you and I, human beings, we sin. And that sin has just run rampant. A culture of sin in this world is incredible. But when we come to God and we say, Lord, help us, he helps us to overcome the sin. That's the goal. That's what God is helping us do. So as we do that, we find it very interesting. God speaks about that. He continues in verse 16. Have you entered the springs of the sea? Or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Now that's important. Look at that. Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this, Job. I don't know what Job's feeling, but God lives beyond our life and is not confined to our, our limited perspective. Our limited perspective. We must trust in God and pay attention to the way he calls us to live. God speaks to us and he tells us, listen, I call you to live this way to avoid the, the ravages of sin, the destruction of sin, and the results of sin, that is hell. I've given you a way to survive. And that way is Jesus Christ. 
So we should listen to God. We should take God up on that offer. That is a great offer, my friend. That is awesome. And, and, I, and I've done it. And God heals me. God helps me. And, and look, I still sin. I still have problems. I still deal with the culture of sin. But I want to tell you something. The Lord helps me to overcome it. Not me. It's the Lord in me. Oh, that's so great. That's wonderful. Keep that in mind because that's how God expresses himself through us. Very important. Let's read this. Job chapter 38, 19 to 21. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? God is asking us a question. And darkness, where is its place? Where is light? Where is darkness? That you may take it to its territory. That you may know the path to its home. Do you know it? Because you were born then. Or because the number of your days is great. Oh my goodness, that's an intense. God's wisdom, God's knowledge, and the power are immeasurable. God's wisdom, God's knowledge, and God's power is immeasurable. We must never assume any place of authority, any place of authority beyond what God has given us. God has given us specific authority, beloved. If you go to Matthew chapter 28, it's very interesting. And the Lord speaks to us and he says something. And I think you should hear this because this is important. We're just going to the New Testament for a couple of days here, or just for a couple of seconds here during this day. But if you look at Matthew 28, you look at the Great Commission. It says in verse 17 and 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. All authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God said all authority has been given to him. It's done. It's finished. He said that from the cross. It is finished. God finished the race. He finished the victory. We have victory in God, but we have to win it in our lives. And beloved, may God help us to do that today. And Father, I pray today, as we let these words resonate inside of us, that you would give us the wisdom, give us the ability through the power of your Holy Spirit as Christians, to understand what you've said and to follow what you've said, not what we want. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone here said together, amen. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it, watch us anytime you want to. As we continue on in our discovery of the Bible, today we find ourselves in Job chapters 37 to 39. But what I want to do is actually jump ahead to chapter 40, because here God refers to an incredible creature, which he calls behemoth. 
Now, while a lot of Bible commentators identify this creature with an elephant or a hippo, the description clearly doesn't fit either of these animals. But if Behemoth wasn't an elephant or hippo, then what was it? Well, maybe it would be fruitful to look to the fossil record. The awe-inspiring behemoth described in Job chapter 40 has left so many of us to wonder just what exactly this creature could be. The word behemoth is literally a plural form of a common Old Testament word meaning beast. Practically all translators and commentators have agreed that this word is an intensive or majestic plural, so that the meaning is something more like colossal beast. Though many have suggested that the behemoth is an elephant or hippopotamus, Neither of these animals really fit the description, especially in regards to its tail. It's hard to imagine how the unassuming tail of an elephant or hippo could ever be compared to a cedar. But if the behemoth isn't an elephant or hippo, then what exactly is it? The reality is that there is no known living animal that adequately fits the description. And when we consider that roughly 150 to 200 species of plant insect, bird, and mammal become extinct every 24 hours, it becomes apparent that the animals alive today represent only a small fraction of those living in Job's day. Interestingly, if we look to the fossil record, we do find some massive beasts worthy of such descriptions. We know them today as dinosaurs. And of particular interest here is the sauropod type. Sporting massive bones easily comparable to bars of iron, as well as enormous cedar-like tails, this subgroup of the lizard-hipped dinosaur is a real possibility. Of course, this conclusion absolutely flies in the face of conventional wisdom, which separates dinosaurs and man by more than 65 million years. Nevertheless, the Bible teaches that man and dinosaur walked the Earth together not so very long ago. Real-world data such as the soft tissue and DNA found in dinosaur remains to the various depictions of these creatures in ancient artwork supports this godly wisdom. Based upon the description found in Job, the sauropod type of dinosaur really seems to fit the bill. If so, then this would mean that Job saw these incredible beasts alive. Now, of course, this conclusion fully contradicts evolutionary thinking, but it doesn't contradict the facts. As I mentioned in this segment, dinos and man living side by side is consistent with what we're observing with dinosaur remains. For example, a lot of dinosaur samples that have been recovered contain soft tissue and even DNA. And some dinosaur bones have even been carbon dated with positive results, meaning that these remains can only be thousands of years old, not millions. The idea of dinosaurs and man living together is also consistent with the many ancient artifacts found worldwide which bear stunningly detailed images of dinosaurs. Clearly, these ancient people saw these creatures alive, and this is absolutely consistent with what the Bible teaches. Because according to the Bible, dinosaurs, as land animals, were created on day six of creation, the same day as man. Amazing. In fact, it is amazing. And, and the thing to remember is that dinosaur is a recently created word. Uh, I believe it yeah. was 1826, and it means what? Large lizard. Yeah, some terrible lizard, I think, is yeah. is the meaning. But yeah, before that, it was dragon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the dragon has a number of meanings. But the idea is that let's keep in mind that the Chinese have their display of dragons. The Middle East has its display of dragons. And 
the extremes of Europe have its display of dragons, isn't it interesting that the display of dragons is everywhere? So mm-hmm. yeah. the question that I have is because when they have the different gods, they worship in different ways, but yet the dragons are always the same. And so that was consistent with all the cultures and the animals or the dragons, if you would, being there. And yeah. uh, it's just very interesting. Now, of course, the real creatures have been embellished, right? So you got to be careful with that. There's been of course. that, right? But yes, I mean, the, the word dinosaur is relatively new, and they were called dragons before. And a lot of people ask questions about the dinosaurs in the Bible. And uh, actually, it, it says God, in, in Genesis, God made the beast, or he made the livestock the, and the beast. Yeah, and they were land animals. If you want to get strict about it, yeah, dinosaurs exactly. were land animals. So, and yeah. what? But what does that mean? We don't know because we've lost a lot of them as time goes on. Mm-hmm. We've lost thousands of species. Oh yeah. And so, and then after the flood, you've got a big problem with the plants being able to support them. So it's it's very interesting, very interesting study, right? Uh, Okay, Corey. All right. So as I was reading our assigned reading for this week, we see Job, we see God beginning to interact with Job. So Job is getting what he's been praying for this whole time. He's getting God beginning to answer him. And that made me think about incense. Uh, We're going to talk about incense today because it also has to do with human communication to God. It was a symbol of humans communicating with God. It's used symbolically like that in the scriptures. So let's take a look at incense. Burning aromatic substances has always been a way for people to turn poor smelling air into a more pleasant atmosphere. Incense in particular was valued in the ancient world for its purification properties. It was seen to be a type of cleaner for the air, and there were several commonly used and prized spices for this. The Bible tells us that incense was burned at the funerals of Jerusalem's kings, signifying its importance in their culture. But likely the most well-remembered biblical use of incense was in the tabernacle and the Jerusalem temple. Incense was burned daily on the specially made altar of incense, and a liquid version was used to anoint and commission the temple furniture, articles, and priests. Interestingly, while the descriptions of the incense altar and the rituals are given, their significance is not explained, their religious reasons not given. The careful reader of the Bible, however, will notice at least two later references to the symbolic meaning of incense. The first in the book of Psalms says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The second reference is like it and comes from the New Testament book of Revelation, where in chapter 5, the prayers of God's people are said to be the smoke of incense rising to God. And in chapter 8, the prayers of God's people are offered with the incense. This meaning is especially interesting when paired with the instructions for the Day of Atonement. Once a year, the high priest was to go into the Holy of Holies, but not without the protection of the incense. The smoke created by burning the temple's incense acted as protection for the priest, and God was said to actually appear in this smoke above the mercy seat. Prayer as a protection and as a vessel of revealing God. This incense offered in the Holy of Holies was not offered on the altar. Instead, hot coals were carried in on an incense shovel, and then ground incense was placed on top to create the sweet-smelling smoke. Archaeologically, there have been many incense shovels discovered, and none can claim direct heritage from the temple, but many from contemporary shrines and later synagogues make it very likely that they looked very much the same. 
This is one of the reasons why I love really looking at the details of the scripture because there, there are you know, so many insights to be gained, so much understanding to be had uh, from taking a look at some of these details and really following them through biblically. So we can learn a lot archeologically as well, but specifically in this example of incense, if you follow its use through the Old Testament and, in, and, and through the Psalms and the Proverbs and Job and, and right through down to the end of the New Testament, you get this beautiful biblical theme and image that speaks cross-culturally, uh, you know, through time. And there are so many details in the scripture like that. It's always a worthwhile study. If, if a strange detail pops out at you, it's always worth tracking down. In fact, it is. And uh, the incense is a really fascinating thing. But listen to Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll of the four living creatures and the 24 elders, he fell down before the lamb each having a harp and a golden bowls of incense. Mm -hmm. Now listen carefully, which are the prayers of the saints? Yes. So this illustration tells us that that incense is literally compared to the prayers of the it's saints. It's an image, yeah, it's an image of that. And we talked about in the segment, we talked about that scripture and we talked about how, you know, in the in the tabernacle and in the temple, that was seen as a covering from the holiness of God. So it was, it our, our prayers, our petitions before God, our relationship with God access, cut, acted as as a barrier of protection, which yeah. is a really interesting concept. It, it is, and uh, the when you smell, it adjusts your mood. You know, when I walk in, the, you're, let's say you're cooking bread. I, I walk in. <laughs> I like that does, how that's your go-to. That is and, better than incense. Bread maker's awesome. Anyway, Smell she wise. puts this bread and you walk in the house and you're just like, <laughs> yeah. oh my good. But what it does to a me, the sense. pie. Oh, and so baking. When, we, when we pray, <laughs> it's God senses that. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely fascinating. Uh, we, we can talk more about it, but anyway. It was ahead. sweet. We're getting into, you know, personal moments. We're, we're a family here. So, uh, Ryan, it was sweet the other day because it's a few weeks ago now, um, and your oldest boy, Oliver, Ollie, he was he was singing something quietly. So I went over and I said, what are you singing, Ollie? He goes, day and night, night and day, let incense mm. Rise. And I thought, how sweet. And I said, do you know what that means, Ollie? And he's like, no, I just really like that song. So it, it gave me the opportunity to talk about what you were just yeah. talking about and, and that, that our prayers rise like incense into God. And, and, and if, you, if you think about that around the world, we're all in these different time zones. And so literally, as the church gathers together, which is his people, God's people. In every language. In every language, at, in every moment of the day, that our prayers can rise up to God as like incense and can literally change the atmosphere. And it, and it really is a beautiful word picture, isn't it? Uh, it really if is we an pray, amazing symbol. It changes the atmosphere. Yes. We need to do that. We, we absolutely do. And, and you know, it, it's kind of a, a neat segue into this last couple of chapters of Job. And literally we are, we are needing to remind ourselves as we see Job having to stand and be asked a series of so many questions from God, the creator of the universe, who always was, asking these pointed questions that Job would have to consider. 
and would feel so overwhelmed. In fact, at one point, you know, Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I'm vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. And here was the same man that just said, Well, if I could just plead my case before God, if I could just, if I could, if I could, if I could. But the very presence of God, the very character and power, the Spirit of God is so powerful that it causes us when we can stop and take the time to reflect on who God is, to understand his majesty and his power, his omnipotence. If we can just try to wrap our minds around it in part, we understand who we are and what a gift that God is to us and what he has given us as a gift through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a very humbling moment, isn't it? And sometimes I think in our troubles, in our struggles, in our busyness, it's easy to set God aside as somebody that we just run to with a wish list. Can I have this and need this and need this and I need this? Instead of being in awe and in reverence of who God is, This is the God of the universe, and in his great power and in his great knowledge, he's just as equally great in his mercy, in his love, and in his grace as our Heavenly Father. And that Heavenly Father desires time. He desires time with me. He desires time with you. What an amazing appointment that we can have with God and to be able to converse with him, to talk with him, to pray round the clock and thank him for even the little things in our life because God is good all the time. God is good. So let our praise and our prayers rise to him like incense all around the world, 24-7, praising our almighty and wonderful God. Today at the end of the program, let's pray. And we'll pray this way. We'll say, Lord, help me to hear and to turn to you every day of my life. I need you, Lord, and help me in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 to 4.30. We're live and we'll pray for you in our special prayer meeting. So uh, if you can join us, please do so. And uh, there's a great number of people there. Uh, 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern time or New York time. We'll see you there.